0: Welcome, this is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Good morning everyone, thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things by helping others and making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm the Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. So, how many of you have heard the term racks or random acts of kindness? It's a phenomenon or a movement that, if practiced by the masses, has the potential to make a big difference in the world, in our communities, our workplaces, our friendships, our homes, everywhere, really. Did you know that there is a rack week, a random act of kindness week, which runs from February 14th through the 20th? Mm-hmm. And actually, February 17th is rack day. Random Acts of Kindness Day. You can even start a rack club in your school, which promotes positivity and inspires students to participate in Random Acts of Kindness throughout the year, with the hope that this idea of kindness will sweep across our nation instead of the opposite. So our first guest uh, nonprofit today represents Kindness in Action. That's actually their tagline on their website. Joining me today is Jennifer Young and Jerry Johnson from Lions Club International, specifically the New Berlin Lions Club. Globally, there are about 1.4 million men and women serving together around the world so they can make a lasting impact and change more lives in times of need. Being a lion is about leading by example, building relationships, and improving the world through kindness. Wouldn't Everybody want to be a part of that, I would think, right? So welcome to the show today, Jennifer and Jerry. Thank Thank you, Jill. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. So the New Berlin Lions Club is part of the Lions Club International. So why don't you start with this big picture history lesson, if you will, and then we'll dial it down to the local impact.
2: Absolutely. So the Lions Club is, we like to joke that it's the largest service organization you've probably never heard of. Lions Clubs are all over the world, and they help quietly in all of the neighborhoods where they are at. So there are more than 1.4 million people who serve in over 200 countries, Mm -hmm. and it is just amazing all of the work that they do in every country. Has a slightly different flavor of of what their clubs focus on. But Lions Clubs International was actually formed back in 1917 in Chicago with a man named Melvin Jones. Right in Chicago? Right in Chicago. Okay. And it was just a small organization, and they got together and they started having an annual convention. And in about 1925, they had a keynote speaker at their convention, Helen Keller. And at that point in time, the Lions Clubs were really focused on community service. And Helen Keller challenged this group to become Knights of the Blind and help in the crusade against darkness. And the Lions Clubs took up that charge and have been focused on improving the life and experience for people with vision loss uh, and, and branching out into additional service areas like people who are hard of hearing and, and deaf, uh, diabetes, hunger, and more recently getting into childhood cancer and the environment. No so, small challenge there, right? No. I mean, those no. are some big initiatives, yeah. No. Correct. And there are so many clubs participating. In 1919, they had their centennial challenge, and they actually ran it for three years. And over the course of the three years, across all of the areas that we work in, the vision and the hunger and the environment, Lions members across the world reached 248 million people with mm. their acts of Kindness. Mm, isn't and that wonderful? It's an amazing organization to be part of. Now, Southeastern Wisconsin itself is home to 52 different Lions Clubs, and New Berlin Lions is, is part of that district, and our club was formed in 1950. So we've been around for over 70 years. We started out with 25 members and now have over 60. nice. Nice. Well, that's
1: a great history lesson. Uh, Many of those things I wasn't even aware of, so thank you for sharing that. Um, What is it though about the Lions that made you want to become
2: a Lion? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I actually joined the New Berlin Lions back in 2015 And I joined because of my dad. He was a lion since 1986. Uh, He was part of the Genoa City Lions. And so I grew up seeing that this is what adults do. They go out into the community. They help each other. They have pancake breakfasts, and they they do road cleanup. And, And so when it became... A good point in my life where I wanted to put service back in I decided well I'm already doing so much with the Lions I I would just join there and he recommended that I join the New Berlin Lions Club
1: and and Jerry aren't you familiar with Jennifer's dad aren't you guys friends oh Is yes, that how yes, you got involved?
3: yes. Uh, Jennifer's dad was the uh, district governor and he would come and visit all the clubs in the area and that's how I got to know him he's a he's a great guy he's still active in lionism now retired, which gives him more time to be even more active as a lion.
1: Okay, and you wanted to become a part of this, why? Because of the relationship yeah. that you had with, with, Jenny's, that, with Jennifer's father?
3: And I was invited to an event by a friend in New Berlin who has since died. Uh, he said, we have this event in January, and we give out all the money that we uh, raised during the year. And it was in January, it was a cold day, and I went there. And they what, had this, a
1: cold day January yeah, so it in was Wisconsin. <laughs> and it was terrible.
3: And I've since found out it usually snows <laughs> on most of the days we have this event. Well, there were about, I'd say, 30 or 40 different organizations there, and we gave out checks to mm-hmm. each group. Okay. And that's kind of like you do all the service, you raise all the money, and this is the part where you give back to the community. Okay. And that's how I got involved in it. That was in 1995. Uh, well, I joined, yeah, I joined in '95, and here I am. I'm still here.
1: And your background is as an attorney.: correct?
3: Yeah, I practiced law in Milwaukee for 40 years and finally decided to retire.
1: Okay. More and time I, for
3: volunteerism. and babysitting.: right.
1: That's right. So w- are all the clubs,
2: all the Lions clubs the same across the state? Yes and no. So a lot of the Lions clubs uh, have the same structure, but they have slightly different focuses and personalities. So a lot there's some clubs out there that are really focused on hands-on projects in the community. And there's other projects like ours that are more focused on fundraising. Now, the New Berlin Lions has been adding in service projects over the last couple of years. We've been adding more and more in addition to the fundraising that we do. Okay. Well, why don't you tell us about some of those uh service projects that your club is involved in. Absolutely. So a couple of our projects focus on helping families in need in the community. Uh, We have a project called Thankful Families that partners with the New Berlin Food Pantry to give gift cards to families in need from Pick and Save and Kohl's. And it's to help them make sure that they have at least a couple good holiday meals and are able to buy necessities and maybe a gift or two for their children. That's a really important project for us. We also put together candy-filled stockings in the winter for the Christmas parade and Easter baskets in the spring and that is also a partnership with the New Berlin Food Pantry to distribute those. We have, in addition to the candy-filled stockings, we also sponsor some longer-term projects in the New Berlin community where we... uh, cover the tree lighting for at the New Berlin Veterans Memorial, and it is beautiful there. We have members who are certified vision screeners, so getting back to the, to the mission to help be Knights of the Blind. Are, we have members who do free vision screenings for children at schools in the area. We also have a vision screening trailer at the... When we run that, we do eyeglass collection, and we have members who do cornea cornea transports for the Lions Eye Bank, which is in Madison. Some of our new projects that we've just added on, we're doing a shoe drive in conjunction with stands fit for your feet, soles for soles. And one of our bigger projects is a new pond restoration. So there's a park in New Berlin, the New Berlin Lions Park, which our club donated the land a long time ago. And we got an email from a 14-year-old boy earlier this year who said, I love fishing in this pond, but all the fish have died. Do you think you could restock it? Mm -hmm. And so the club really got behind it and dug in and started looking and learned a whole lot about ponds and fishery stocking it ended up being a much bigger project than we had anticipated and that we had budgeted for so we actually went out to the community to ask for help and we've received such an outpouring of support it's been humbling we've we've we did a fundraiser uh with the cleveland pub that raised over five thousand dollars and we got a donation from rundle spence which is a national plumbing wholesaler they have a location here in new berlin and they donated fifteen thousand dollars so we can actually put in an ada compliant pier in the pond so people in wheelchairs could actually go out and fish it's just an amazing project that we're so proud to have uh, been able to give back to the community and help these kids have an experience and, and so we're very grateful to all of the companies that have helped us out. I bet that's, that's awesome.
3: Our club was so much focused on raising money that we at least to me we weren't emphasizing the service enough so we forced ourselves with, through the leadership of uh, Jennifer here we really did move into doing more service things, uh, tasks
1: Mm -hmm. Well, on your website, it talks about the fact that Lions serve to see your communities inspired, equipped, and transformed. And that example, or those few examples you just gave, support that. Mm -hmm. All this great work that you do can only be offered to the extent that you're supported, right? So stay tuned because we're going to dive into how the New Berlin Lions Club is supported and where they serve beyond the projects that we've already discussed. So stay tuned and we'll be right back after commercial break.
0: Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Jennifer Young and Jerry Johnson from the New Berlin Lions Club. Like most nonprofits, you're only able to serve or offer services to the extent that your dollars carry you. So how do you raise the money? How does New Berlin Lions Club raise the money that you distribute to the community?
3: We have two big annual fundraisers. The corn roast is the one that everyone knows about at the state fair. It's the first Thursday of August. That's the first day of it, and it runs for 11 days. And the other one is the New, New Berlin 4th of July Festival at Malone Park, where uh, it's usually a three-day event, and we uh, uh, sell beer, uh, wine, and then we also have, uh, we sponsor a band. That's, and We're at the west end of Malone Park, so be sure to stop in.
1: Okay. And, and, and
3: we have a couple other things. We have it. And I had mentioned earlier that uh, we had tried to get into some other fundraising perhaps. Uh, we, have a, we had a Valentine's Day raffle last year where we raised $5,000, a 50-50 raffle. And then we have also started doing pop-up corn roast potato bakes. We have these roasters that we have that we, at the fair that we bought. And why we, not then, we, right? Yeah, I mean, we used to the rent resources. them year yeah. after year, and we figured, why are we renting them? We could probably buy them and then go around and, and also lend them to other clubs.
1: There you go. Uh,
3: so we're, we're all kind of in this together. Yeah. We're not one club versus another. It's We try and cooperate. In fact, uh, we have a number of members of other Lions Clubs in southeast Wisconsin that volunteer and work at the Corn Roast.
1: Nice, nice. Well, I'm sure many people are aware of the awesome corn roast at the State Fair, but they may not realize that it's the New Berlin Lions Club that runs it. So um, tell us more about that signature event.
3: It started in 1957, but it wasn't at the State Fair. It was at uh, Butler Days. Days. (laughs) We decided that this thing might work, and then we started small at the State Fair. The first couple of years, we maybe sold 20,000 years of corn, and then we decided it was going to be a big deal. Then we did some capital improvements out there. We actually built the stand. A lot of the lines did, their, did the work out there. I didn't do it. I'm, I'm old, but not that old, <laughs> but a lot of the people were tradesmen, and there were plumbers and contractors, and so they did all the work. And over the, you know, we've been there forever. We hope we're, we're there forever. There's only one year that hasn't been a corn roast, and that's because of COVID. And, but uh, we still did. Yeah. We
2: did, that's when we started the pop-up corn roast. Right.
3: Okay. That was okay. a way we had to keep our name out in the community.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, and, and what's the state fair without corn in yeah. Wisconsin, right? I mean, you didn't you tell me before how many you've actually
2: sold total? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we get that question a lot there. We we average about 10,000 ears a day. So over the course of 11 days, that's 110,000 ears, depending on the weather and attendance, of course. But it is an amazing amount of of corn that we move, and it takes a lot of people. And is it always from farms in New Berlin that you get the corn from?
3: Southeast Wisconsin. Now, this particular last year, uh, we made a change, and our grower was from just north of Madison. Okay. So, okay. But, but
1: whatever, wherever you're getting it, it's good stuff. Yeah. It is good <laughs> corn. My daughter always works um, at Saz's right across from the corn roast. Yep. So we get our Saz's yes. sandwich, y- and we go and get our corn right across. You will down.
3: always find us. We're across from Saz's mm-hmm. and the big slide.
1: There you go. Yep. Well,
3: everybody will know so, where that is, So if you is, can right? know where the big slide is, you <laughs> exactly. can find us.
1: Exactly. Um, well, you talked in the last segment about some of the service projects that you have. What are some of the things that you do with all this money that
3: you raise? Well, we we have a couple of of uh, areas where we give money. We have what's called general donations, and that, those are things that we're particularly interested in in New Berlin. Now, for have we have the pond at Lions Park that we talked about? Uh, that that's really the big one. And then we have Thankful Families, I think that might have been mentioned. We partner with the New Berlin Food Pantry, and then the other two areas are Lions and Lions-related charities and then money that's given away at the Parade of Checks. The, the Lions Club is a member of a larger group in southeast Wisconsin. It's called 27A1, and we do donate money to those groups too. So there's a thing called the, uh, the there's a Diabetes Fund, there's a Hearing Fund, a site Conservation Fund, Leader Dog for the Blind. Now that's something people know about the OIC Service Dogs. Those dogs are trained in Michigan, by the way. And all the clubs donate into the districts. And that money goes to help train the dogs, the service dogs. And those are some of the things we do there. And then the big one is our parade of checks. We uh, identify groups. We evaluate them every year on the basis of need. And uh, we have a committee that looks at each year and says, what do you need? Uh, Do you really need it? And we do an evaluation. Well, we donate to our 4th of July c- celebration in New Berlin. There's an Addiction Resource Council, American Diabetes Association, Cathedral Center. Uh, I can go on and on. but. Uh,
1: and what's the amount that you typically donate at this annual parade of checks? I mean, well, is it an average? It's probably of-
3: about $100,000 total. If you add in the youth groups that we give money to that work as volunteers at the state fair. Okay,
1: so yeah, we're talking a large chunk Mm -hmm. of
2: donation dollars. And don't you also support local chapters of larger organizations? We do. Uh, we do have a, a number of groups that we work with so in addition to the local charities we give to the MS Society the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation we have given to the American Diabetes Association, Habitat for Humanity and the Salvation Army all of these organizations do great work both nationally and locally mm-hmm. and so we're, we're happy to be able to support them in addition to the, the local areas and I, and I do want to just give a shout out too, to the Wisconsin and Lions Foundation, which runs the Lions camp up in Roshalt, Wisconsin. we uh, A lot of the clubs give support to that because it is a camp for children. It's a dedicated camp for children with a, a variety of, of different uh, disabilities, deaf and hard of hearing, vision impaired, diabetes, uh, and, and intellectual impairment. And they get to go to camp for free for a week. And just be kids and be with kids who are like them and they're just there to have fun. And so it, it, is, it is really humbling to attend a parade of checks. And I can understand why that made Jerry join the Lions Club because it is awe-inspiring uh, and humbling to, to hear all of the stories of the impact that you're having. Uh, and, and they
3: imagine. also give, have uh, weeks dedicated to adults as well. Oh, okay. I, I didn't okay. know that initially, but I, that you learn something every year. You learn new That's things right. about life. That's right. We
1: never stop learning. Yeah. We keep growing. Um, all kinds of good stuff uh, that you talked about today, but we have limited time. So for those people that are interested in getting involved or learning more about what you have to offer, um, what's what's the best way for people to get a hold of you?
2: Well, we are always looking for members and volunteers to work at the fair, so you don't have to be a member to work at the fair. If you are interested, we have a Facebook page, so you can look for New Berlin Lions on Facebook and connect with us there. And we also have our own website at newberlinlions.org, and the best way to find us is to Google New Berlin Lions. Okay, wonderful. Well, lots of good stuff that we learned
1: about today, um, like the corn roast at the state fair, (laughs) which I think most people, again, are very familiar with, Mm -hmm. but all these other great initiatives that you're involved in. It's great that people understand the extent to which you're making a difference in our community. So thank you, Jennifer and Jerry, for participating in the interview today. Thank you, Jill.
3: Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. Um, Well, the Lions Club International helps people in need all over the world, like we've been saying. But what about local partnerships with nonprofits? They talked about some of them that they work with. The New Berlin Lions Club is making a big difference for a donor-supported foundation who offers support for a chronic disease that affects almost 700 people in Wisconsin alone. And actually, this particular disease is considered an orphan disease, meaning that it affects fewer than 200,000 people. And as a result, they receive no government funding and very little interest from some pharmaceutical companies. So their foundation and the foundation's progress is made possible because of the support of organizations like the New Berlin Lions Club. So stay tuned. We'll be right back and you'll learn more about this organization when we return.
0: You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and my next guests today are Kelly Salentine, Executive Director for the Wisconsin Chapter of the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, and Laura Borner. Whose daughter Rose is living with cystic fibrosis. Rose is actually the goddaughter of one of our advisors here at Ellen Becker, Jamie Williams. So, thank you, Jamie, for suggesting CFF as a guest. So, welcome to the show today, Kelly and Laura. Hello, thanks for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Kelly, why don't you start by telling us how you got involved with the CFF?
4: Um, well, I got involved about 18 years ago. Um, I was fresh out of college uh, working in the service industry, and my manager at the time had a child who was born with cystic fibrosis. Um, I knew nothing about the disease, i uh, it was one of those diseases that was initials CF, but I knew how desperate he was at that time to do anything he could to help his son live a long life, and what he really wanted was a cure. So. At that time I started volunteering. Uh, I was offered a job with the foundation and I've been here ever since. Um, and I've seen that little baby grow up to be a young man who is now 19 Aww. and in college. So That's a lot wonderful. has changed in that time, but I'm, I'm really glad it was, it was the story of him and the story of other children with cystic fibrosis uh, that really drew me to the disease and the foundation.
1: Okay, well, why don't you first tell us what is cystic fibrosis? Because people may not know. I mean, again, we talked about the fact that it's a it's a disease that maybe not many people know a lot about. hmm
4: Most people don't know what cystic fibrosis is until it directly affects them or someone that they love. Um, what CF is, it's a genetic disease. Uh, in people with CF, a defective gene causes a thick buildup of mucus in the lungs, the pancreas, and in other organs. Uh, in in the lungs, mucus clogs the airways and traps bacteria, leading to infection, um, extensive lung damage, and respiratory failure. Hmm.
1: Wow. Okay. What is it then that that drives the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation? For the
4: for us, for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, what drives us is uh, a dream that one day every person with CF will have the chance to live a long, healthy life. Uh, and that means running a marathon, things that people take, it, uh, take for granted, like falling in love, hearing their newborn cry, seeing their child finish kindergarten, graduate from college, hold their grandchild's hand, and grow old with the ones they love. When the CF Foundation was founded in 1955, babies born with CF didn't live until kindergarten.
1: Mm.
4: Because of the progress that the CF Foundation has been able to make, they're living now to be adults and to grow old. Um, and our dream is is to find a cure for
1: CF so that they can live normal, healthy lives mm-hmm. and live to be old. Well, and when you were talking about what it is exactly, again, I'm not very familiar with it, but you talk about some things that um, one might attribute to a severe upper respiratory issue or really severe cold, and I'm not Forgive me if it sounds disrespectful. I'm not comparing it to that, but that's why shows like this are so important because people who aren't aware of things can now become aware of things. They'll know what to look for. They'll know how they can support people that they may know or people they may never know that that live with this disease. Um, I understand that the gene that caused cystic fibrosis was first identified in 1989, so not not that long ago, and that the life expectancy of someone with CF has doubled in the last 30 years. So there's there's some positive research about this disease, but I can't even imagine having a loved one struggle with this, or, or any disease, really, let alone my own child. Um, Laura, your daughter Rose... Lives with cystic fibrosis. What what was it like when you learned of her diagnosis?
5: Well, first of all, I was um, devastated. I didn't know what it was, like many people at first. And once I started doing some research about it, um, I was I was terrified because I didn't know where her life would go. I knew the life expectancy at that time um was 37 that was the age that I was then I had just oh. had a baby and you know I it made me so sad to think that if she was lucky she would live to be 37 because it varies so much with um kids and how they do with the disease I didn't know how it would be for her she was in the NICU for 10 days um she had sinus surgery when she was five months old. Uh, there was a lot of extra care that I wasn't expecting. We uh, She was a newborn baby, and I was feeding her oral enzymes sprinkled on applesauce.
4: Mm.
0: And
5: I was spooning it into her mouth because that was the only way she could digest the milk. To give her nutrients otherwise she would probably just wither away and not thrive Mm -hmm. so i had to feed her oral enzymes and then i had to do chest percussion on her with this little cup so i'd lay her little body in my arms i'd have to pat her back and the front of her lungs for gosh 20 minutes i think i'd have to do that a couple times a day so it was it was very it
1: was traumatizing it was stressful it was worrisome and Mm -hmm. i didn't know how long she was gonna live I cannot even imagine. Uh, Is it my understanding that all children who live with this are born with this, or is it something that they could develop after birth? It's a genetic disease, so everyone with cystic fibrosis
4: is born with it. Um, And actually, the state of Wisconsin was one of the first states that um, required newborn screens for cystic fibrosis. Um, that was uh, that came to fruition because of our amazing advocates. So, uh, in the newborn screen, children and babies with cystic fibrosis, when they're born, that's recognized. And as soon as those babies, uh, you know, are they find out that they have cystic fibrosis, they start their treatments. They start being seen at our care centers, um, and they and we start doing everything we can to make sure that that they're as healthy as they can be.
1: And that's why I was curious. I mean, is mm-hmm. it something that is always found? upon delivery or does it take a while? But you're saying now they have tests that they can just run right from the get-go mm-hmm. to determine, okay, okay, And it take a couple weeks for those test results to come
4: in, but then there are certain telltale signs upon delivery that can indicate that a child might have cystic fibrosis.
1: Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and I understand that the percentage of people with cystic fibrosis, with normal lung function at age 18, has doubled in the last Year, uh, last 10 years, actually, from roughly 30% in 2010 to 60% in 2020, which that's great news, obviously. Um, what's, it, what's it like for everyday life for, for Rose living with cystic fibrosis? Um, Well, things have
5: um, not changed a ton since she was a baby. She's 14 years old now. Um, She does have to do uh, respiratory therapy twice a day for 30 minutes. Um, If she's sick with a cold, she has to do it for another 30 minutes in the middle of the day. She has to take um, enzymes every time she eats so she can uh, process her food. Otherwise, she doesn't get the nutrients out of them. Uh, Up until a year ago, she had a G-tube, so she would get supplemental nutrients at night. She had that her pretty much her entire life. And since she was like one and a half, at at one, she was down to only 25% BMI. So she was very skinny and she developed pneumonia. So that was um, her third hospitalization, I think, to help her get better. Um, But since then, it's kind of amazing because because of the CFF Foundation, they have developed this drug called Trikafta, and she has been taking that for a year now, and she was able to get rid of her G-tube now, um, and she's got a healthy weight, and she still has to do her therapies and things, but it's pretty much um, changed her life in many ways. Uh, It's looking brighter
1: for Rose, yes. Yes. That's wonderful.
4: Trikafta is one of 12 CF treatments that has been developed by the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation um, and has really changed the lives of a lot of people with CF. Um, Unfortunately, there are people with CF who do not um, benefit from that therapy, um, either because their disease is too advanced or because their genetic mutations won't respond um, to the the treatment. So we're working um, to make sure that there's a treatment like Trikafta for everybody with CF, For children like Rose um, and for many uh, people with CF, TRCAFTA has really changed their lives.
1: Mm, That's wonderful. And again, just having people talk about it so that they know that it's available. Somebody listening might not have been made aware that that's an option for them. So thank you for bringing that up. You know, having partners and advocates to support and assist you in a multitude of ways is such a blessing, right? Uh, again, for any nonprofit or foundation. And actually there are around, I think you guys were telling me, there's about 20,000 uh, cystic fibrosis advocates in Wisconsin alone. So that's, that's nice to know and, and great to know that people are out there talking it up. Um, when we come back, we'll learn how the greater Milwaukee community has supported the cystic fibrosis community. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back after commercial break.
0: Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking in our last segment today with Kelly Salentine and Laura Borner uh, from the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. So how has the greater Milwaukee community supported the CF community?
4: Well, I must say that the boundless determination of our community is why we have been able to make the progress that we have. Um, we have some amazing CF care centers here in Milwaukee uh, that are funded by the CF Foundation. But these teams, uh, one is at the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, and one is at in the Medical College of Wisconsin, Uh, work tirelessly to provide um, people with CF the absolute best in care, Um, and they also participate in clinical trials to make sure that we're able to progress our research. Um, But aside from our care center teams, we also have our amazing advocates uh, that help make sure that people with CF have access to the important care that they need. We have very, very generous donors um, that support our fundraising events throughout the year. Um, And then I think Laura would agree to this, that uh, the community as a whole, her family, our neighbors, our schools, corporations, really are what help fund the way to a cure for CF. Um, They provide emotional, mental support uh, for people with CF, their families, children with CF. And they also help connect and support people with CF to help them live their best possible life, no matter where they are in their unique journey. Um, so so our community really is what drives what we do.
1: Mm, wonderful. Well, again, that's why we have organizations like you on our Community Impact Show, because we want people to understand more about your organization. And if it um, touches them in some way, then they know how they can use their time, talents, or resources to help you as an organization. Again, whether that's through advocacy, don't uh, donations, uh, getting involved somehow. So that's, that's all good stuff. What kind of progress has the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation been able to achieve?
4: It's really been amazing the kind of progress that we've been able to achieve. We've more than doubled the life expectancy in the past 30 years. That's huge. That's huge, It's yeah. really hard to hear that your child isn't going to live to be over 18 years old. Now, when people are born with cystic fibrosis, we can give them hope to say that their baby will be able to grow to be an adult, to go to college, to get married, to have kids of their own. Um, It means a lot to people. It's huge. On top of that, we've been able to support innovative research. We're working um, to be able to find a cure for cystic fibrosis. Um, that we'll likely be able to see within our lifetime. Um, That's huge. It's huge. Yes. It's huge. So we're very fortunate that way. Absolutely. And then you've got grants. Over 4,000 grants have been funded by the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation just in the past six years. Again, over um, a dozen CF treatments and 40 treatments are currently in our drug pipeline to be researched um, as potential treatments for people with cystic fibrosis. We've been championing policies to protect our CF community um, and we've also launched the Therapeutics Development Network.
1: So tell us what that Therapeutics Development Network is.
4: So today the Therapeutics Development Network conducts uh, over 60 clinical trials annually at 91 research centers throughout the nation. Um, And this network is a hub for advances in key areas of research, um, like infections, advanced lung disease, um, and nonsense and rare mutations. So it really is kind of a way for us to catapult our research across the country in a collaborative way.
1: And you really have made giant leaps in, in a short amount of time. You know all these things that you're talking about. What it was? What did we say? It was first diagnosed or in or 1989. Mm-hmm. The gene was um, first discovered in 1989. Yeah. At that time,
4: there were there were no treatments for people with CF. There yeah. was percussive therapy to help loosen up the mucus,
1: but aside from that, it
4: really was very very limited. And yeah. and life know, expectancy,
1: you said, from then compared to now, even for your daughter Rose, Laura. I mean, that's just got to be so exciting knowing that uh, you've made these giant leaps in a short amount of time. You know, what would a cure mean for you and for Rose? Um, You know, I asked Rose about this. She wished she could
5: have been here, but just with school and, you know, she's just very busy. But um, she said it would mean everything to her. She would love to have a life where she didn't have to worry about. Um, doing her therapy three times a day and taking so many pills and not being able to breathe necessarily as well as some of her, the regular kids, she says. Um, through you know, in phys- physical activities, you know, she's in soccer and dance, and sometimes she does get a little more tired out. And she does worry about her health constantly. Um, things like dust and smoke that could affect the lungs. I mean, even when she blows out her birthday candles every year, she runs away from the smoke from the candles because she's worried that it's going to affect her. Mm-hmm her lungs. And she is so excited that she does have trikafta. And she does know, though, she's very aware that there are other people with cystic fibrosis that don't have access to it, or not that they don't have access, but they can't take it because of their mutation, or um, they're just too sick for it. And so she worries about them as well. Um, But she, she would love to see a life without having to worry about Life expectancy and right. therapy and pills and four doctors' appointments. Even though she love, we love our care centers. You know, for she does have to go there four times a year. Um, she misses school for it. They're long appointments, but they take very good care of her. Um, you know, and it's just a lot to, to deal with. So and she's
1: only what fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. So you know, living fourteen years with this disease and um, you know, faring. Pretty well, and still being able to play soccer and dance—that's really something. That's mm-hmm. that's great. Oh yeah. Uh, but like you said, just to be able to not have some of the cares that she has, and to mm-hmm. you know live like some of her friends, mm-hmm. you know, living that that she sees. And is it safe to say that it's it could be around the corner? I mean, obviously nobody mm-hmm. knows, but given the mm-hmm. amount of of um, research that has been done and the advances that have been made in such a short amount of time you know, to like you I think mm-hmm. you said earlier, that it's, it's totally possible for us to see it in our lifetime.
4: There's a lot of potential. Um, we have an opportunity to end a disease. Uh, we just need to work harder, and we need to work faster. There are genetic therapies that are our best hope for curing cystic fibrosis, um, but they're more complex than anything we've ever done, and it'll require substantial investment. So, It's possible, but we are going to need the support from our community to get there.
1: Well, and that leads me to my next question then. You know, what would your call to action be for our listeners today?
4: You know, with the opportunity to end a disease, we do need help. Um, We're always looking for volunteers, for advocates, for donors. We can be reached very easily, cff.org, where you can reach our chapter and find out ways um, to really change someone's life.
1: Okay, wonderful. Well, Kelly Salentine and Laura Borner, uh, thank you for participating in our interview today to share what you know about the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and the ways that it's making a difference in our community and the the people who live with it every day. So thank you for being here today. Uh, I'd also want to thank my guests earlier, Jennifer Young and Jerry Johnson from the New Berlin Lions Club. So if you'd like further information about what we talked about today or if you would like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community safe, healthy, and others-focused. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I invite you to visit our website at EllenBecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, or you can now listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So if you know of someone who you think would benefit from the information we shared today, my call to action for our listeners is to share it. Share this great information with someone who needs to hear it. As they say, knowledge shared is knowledge squared. And then also think about how you can incorporate racks, random acts of kindness, into your daily living. Everyone can benefit from extending and receiving kindness. It's a great way to be a blessing and give a blessing to others in our world. Thank you for tuning in this morning, and have a great day.